important it is. Now, the temperature is no longer stable. So the temperature of the child is determined by the child environment. And that's when we look at conduction, convection, radiation, evaporation. We look at all those different kinds of heat loss mechanisms that a child goes through when a child is born. So in the end class, you want to remember those mechanisms and understand what is convection, what is conduction, what is uh, condensation, what is uh, evaporation, all the medium in which heat can be lost. You want to understand them and know how the examples are given and how can we provide care for them. They are in our audio. So I'm just kind of reminding you about these things when the child is born. Now, um, when the child is born immediately, the mother needs to provide what we call a baby-friendly environment. And that's the reason why when the child is born, we provide the child we give the mother, we give the child to the mother to hold the, the child in her chest. So the bonding is, uh, it, it is not a tradition, but it is a mechanism that we use to create the first hand skin to skin bonding between the mom and the child. And the child will start to like uh, know the mother from that point and when we are having assessment to be done for these uh, neonates. Now, um, <clears throat> there are a lot of things that happen in there. We have the dependent role that occurring between the mother and the child, the dependent independent role, and we have the interdependent role. These are things the mother goes are features of maternal role attainment that, that we go through during the So you want to look at all those things. They are important for pediatrics nursing they are very important to look at them the mother breast care when the mother has a child the mother needs to care for her breast to prevent so many different breast breast deformities so the mother needs to place the place the newborn skin to skin as soon as possible following the childbirth and to initiate breastfeeding within the first one to two hours that's when mom needs to initiate breastfeeding after birth as soon as possible within one to two hours after birth after birth unless there are other contraindications that will prohibit the mother from breastfeeding the child right after birth but it is important because the first breast milk that comes out which we call colostrum is rich in so many nutrients and vitamins that the, that, that, the, that the child needs it has so much protein in it that's why the mom needs to breastfeed the baby with the first breast milk. Now, the mom need, needs to wear a, a, a tight, well-fitting bra or supportive bra for breastfeeding to prevent other infection that might come with the breast. Those are things the mom needs to do. The mom for, needs to also look out for breast engorgement. For breast engorgement, we want to apply cold compresses after shower prior to breastfeeding. These actions can increase breast milk for the mother to give to the baby. These are common things that might come in the end class. Um, they might sound very common, but sometimes when they come in the end class, we leave them out and pick other bigger things that, that have no impact on our test. Then also we have 
for the nipples sometimes there might be so nipples a nipples might have soles for the uh, uh the mom nipples might have soles so if the mom have so nipples the mom should be able to apply a small amount of breast milk to her nipple and allow it to air dry after breastfeeding this can help the mom to kill the sole and the nipples of the breast now also um the mom need to have the client to apply the cream as prescribed if the if if there's a cream prescribed by the doctor or the hcp for the mother applied to the breast the mom needs to do that now another thing is there are there are mothers who do not breastfeed which we call the non-lactating mothers for those who do not breastfeed they still need to wear a well-fitting bra or supported bra for up to at least 72 hours after birth they have to wear a well-fitting bra or a supported bra for at least 72 hours after birth now sometimes they might wear it for a longer period this can help to suppress uh lactation that for mother who are not breastfeeding is very helpful in that it also helps to avoid breast stimulation and running warm water over the breast for prolonged period that might also help them when they are not breastfeeding because other than that the breast milk will stay within the breast it causes engorgement and it might become painful for the mother who is not breastfeeding these are simple mechanics that we need to understand for the anklets now another thing is for breast engorgement sometimes it will occur the third or sometimes the fifth day after delivery breast engorgement occurs sometimes the third day after breast after delivery or sometimes the fifth day after delivery now for breast engorgement you want to apply the same cold compressor to the breast cold compressor to the breast for at least 15 minutes uh, or 15 minutes on the breast take it off for 45 minutes put it back for 15 minutes until at least you do that every day in the morning in the evening in the morning evening, until the breast become normal um sometimes people can use cold cabbage leaves it's yes it is important they use cold cabbage leaves and put it on the breast it can also help or they can put it inside a bra it also helps to support breast for non-lactating uh, mothers also sometimes they can also prescribe mild analgesic or anti-inflammatory medication to help to reduce the swelling for those parents who do not breastfeed these are things that are important to understand for the anklets now so another thing here also is um for newborn or uh, for new mothers or first-time mothers the, the nurses need to teach them how to breastfeed the baby now in teaching people for uh, when it comes to new when it comes to pediatrics the best way in the anklet is for the nurse to, to demonstrate the procedure to the to the mother and allow the mother to re-demonstrate the procedure that is important in the anklets so if we teach a, if we teach a baby uh, a mom how to breastfeed the baby the mom should be able to demonstrate it to you that is the best way to know that the mother knows it well or teach the mother how to change the, the diaper or the pamper for the child 
the mother should be able to redemonstrate the procedure to you or in your person, then that can make you to know that indeed the mother understands how to do these things. Now, um, the mom might still needs to undergo postpartum exercises. Now, to regain the pelvic flow, mom needs to do postpartum exercises after delivery to regain control over the pelvic flow. And this exercise is called what? How, how do we call the exercise? Uh, exercise mom do to regain control of the pelvic flow. How do you call the exercise? Uh, Joanna? So the casual exercise is what parents do after delivery to regain strength of the wife, the pelvic flow. Now, um, these the same muscles are used when you are starting and stopping urine. Urinate, stop the urine, go. So as you're holding and releasing your urine to pass out, that is the muscle. Or those are the muscles that we need to do the cardio exercise with to have control over our over our pelvic muscles. Now, so we do it like for <clears throat> ten times, eight times a day. So you do it ten times, eight times a day. Hold you add a urinating, release the urine, hold the urine, release it, hold the urine at least ten times a day <clears throat> after delivery. It helps to regain the control of our pelvic muscles for sexual intercourse you want to avoid sexual intercourse until now if the mother had laceration or the mother had epistatomy wherein the the exposure of the vagina was cut if that occur simply um it will take at least two to four weeks until the client is seen by a provider <clears throat> so the client if the, if the client had a cut laceration we cannot re we cannot uh return to having sex after delivery until the doctor can see the mother and clears the mother out now um there are some other lubricant that we use during the first six weeks of the month now in the case wherein the mother did not have laceration she did not have uh epithelial and she wants to have start to have sex because at that point in time um the vagina becomes dry there are there is not a lubricant available in the vagina by itself because the vagina itself has its own lubricant for sexual intercourse now after breath those hormones that provide those natural lubricants for the vagina they are not there so if the woman wants to have sex after after postpartum during the postpartum time, she can purchase over the kind of lubricant, the KY gel, and other things she can use for the comfort of sexual intercourse. Now, in this case, there will be slower sexual sexual reaction that will be less intense for up to three months following birth. Now, so it depends. Sometimes they're going to say two weeks after delivery you start to have sex some will say six weeks but the thing is that uh, even if it is two weeks after delivery yes you can have sex but those things that will make sex to be pleasurable will not be present until certain period of time until three months so um if the mother want to have it yes the mother can have sex but she needs to have lubricant and other things that will help to uh, create the, 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 the that sexual appetite 
contraception, um, if listen to the contraceptive audio that we have in there, it provides for us the exact time mother supposed to return to return to contraception when they are uh, when they give birth. Now, um, this depends on different activities. Now, the client can the client can get pregnant while even breastfeeding, even though menses has not returned. The client can get the mother can get pregnant after delivery when they are breastfeeding, even though menses have not returned. It's possible. Now, clients who are breastfeeding, they should be advised that an oral should not be taken until milk production is well established. Meaning, they should not take oral contraceptives until milk production is well established. Usually, it takes four weeks. So, it takes four weeks for them to start taking oral contraceptives because that will interfere with so many hormones in the body. Now, then, for menses, for those who do not breastfeed, clients who are not breastfeeding might not resume until around four to ten weeks. If they are not breastfeeding, menses, their menses will not come up to at least around four. Menses for non-lactating clients might not resume until around four to ten weeks. But ovulation can occur right after delivery. One month after delivery, they will start to have ovulation. And once there's ovulation, there is pregnancy, there is a huge chance of getting pregnant. So they might not have menses coming, but they might be ovulating right after one month. Now, for the mother who are breastfeeding, um, they might not resume until after three months or until breastfeeding is ceased. Then, it was, then the menses will return. So these are common things you want to listen to the, uh, in the audios from for for these contraceptives. We lay them out and we spell them out in a good fashion. So this is just a rehearsal of what we did in the audio. So you can listen to the audio and listen to it very well. And I want you to look at um, those changes that occur when when a woman is pregnant, when a woman gives birth, the changes that occur on her body, her nipples, her body morphology, those changes that occur, it is important to know them for um, for the ankles. And there are so many different complications that are going to come in when we give birth, like I said yesterday, we have to look at those complications for the end of maternity before going into pediatrics. Now, then for the pediatrics also, we have developmental stages. And during these developmental stages, we have to look at everything one at a time and understand a lot of things in the developmental stages. In every stage of development of a, of, 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 of a baby, there are things the baby goes through. And those things the baby is going through, we have to look at them and know them very well. From neonatal age to infancy to uh, toddler to preschool to school age to adolescence to other or until the child reaches other, those are important things that come in the end. That's a lot. We have to look at um, the crisis the child is going to face. And how do we resolve this crisis along the way? These are important for our ankles. Then, with a newborn assessment, I talk about APGAS score uh, 
that we need to look at. The APGAS score has five variations. We look at the heart rate, we look at the respiratory rate, the muscle tone, the reflex irritability, and we look at the color. These are five domains that measure the APGAS score for us. Now we have zero, which is the worst, and we have two, which is the most. So it's between zero to two. So we have zero, one, and two. So we have to understand this into our fingertips and know exactly how they work and how can we achieve this APGAS score and how and at one point what are we looking for and at five minutes what are we looking for when a child is born we use a bulb syringe to suction the mouth and the nose we never suction the nose before the mouth we suction a child mouth before the child nose with a bulb syringe because when the child is born if we suction the nose the child will a child always have some fluid uh uterine fluid and other mucus within the mouth if the child nose is clear the child will aspirate that particular fluid and the child might have a problem breathing so we suction the mouth first before suctioning the nose of the child um where the child wear gloves clean gloves and do those assessment at birth the child hair circumference is larger than the Y, the chest circumference so look at those things another important thing after birth is um those marks that are on the child now those marks on the baby when the baby is born those marks are very important to know how they are described that you have what we call the Malia, M-I-L-I-A. Those are like a small raised west parts on the child nose, on the child chin, on the child forehead. Those are marks that comes on the child with birth. And these spots can go away by themselves without treatment. So you want to understand this particular skin elevation, skin uh, deformity that's going to come or skin discoloration for the, for the child. Want to understand which ones are normal, which one can go by themselves, which one needs to be medicated or to be treated. It is important to know these things when it comes to the ankles. The child always have venous carciosa. Venous carciosa come on, on the child when the child is in utero. All will not leave until the child is born. When the child is born, you're going to see these creases and skin folds with those. Those areas having what we call the venous cascades, those are protection for the child. They are normal with babies, with neonates. Want to understand why they are there. The Mongolian spot, you want to know what the Mongolian spots are. You want to know what the nervous flammules are. You want to know what the erectima tussicum are. You want to know what we call the talangitatic nervous. These are different skins, problems that come with this, the different skin discoloration. That means different things and we have to know these skin problem they are normal and we have to know how to how to how to, how to describe them because in the end class they will give us this skin discoloration and ask her what can we do or ask her what would the nurse do or the mom complain that the child has these white spots on the chin on the nose on the forehead 
what will be the nurse advice? This becomes a problem if we do not know that these things are normal and we, it does not need treatment. So what would the mom tell? What would the nurse tell the mom? These are important to know for the ankles. Then we have different skills. The new ballard skill um, is used to assess the child neuromuscular and physical maturity. These are important things you want to know about pediatrics for the ankle. They are very important. The child, uh, what is the child uh, breath width, normal breath width, abnormal breath width, lower for gestational age, lighter for gestational age, the SGA, small for gestational age, and the LGA, the lighter for gestational age. These are things you want to know about. You these are things you want to know about 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 the baby. You want to know them. Um, what is post-term baby, post-maturity, pre-term? You want to know this until your finger because sometimes in the ankle when these things comes in the ankle, if we do not know them, to our, if if we do not know them well, we tend to be confused and miss the question, even if we had an idea due to anxiety. So what? can help us when we have anxiety is our level of confidence we have in answering this question. Another thing is um, when a child is born, assessment, hydrocephalus and microcephalus. What is hydrocephalus? What is microcephalus? Micro, M-I-C-R, is the child head is smaller than its normal size. It's very, very small. And in, in, in microcephalus, uh, if the hair circumference is less than 32, meaning is that, that is an indication of why microcephaly. If the hair circumference is larger, is four centimeters bigger than the normal size, that means the child is having hydrocephaly, meaning the child is having a big head. These are all bulging disease conditions of the child that we can palpate and see that the child is having this condition. When the child is born, the child can have Kaposoxidanum and Cifa hematoma. How do we differentiate between Kaposoxidanum and Cifa hematoma? In these two conditions, these are birth problems. One has blood, which is the hematoma, and one has fluid accumulation, which is the Kaposoxidanum. Now, between the Kapo and the Cifa hematoma, we said the carpot is a localized swelling of soft tissues that is due to pressure during labor when a child hair is pressed against the soft tissue of the pelvic area. That is what we call the carpot succidanum. For Cifa hematoma, we say it is a collection of blood between the periosteum of the uh, the periosteum and the skull bone. That is what we call the carpot succidanum. Now, these are two distinct kinds of condition. The carpus, the, the CIFA hematoma, sometimes is due to assisted delivery. Now, we talk about foster delivery the other day. We talk about uh, vacuum delivery. This thing can create pressure on the child head, and there will be bleeding occurring between the periosteum and the skull bone, that which can cause what we call CIFA hematoma. We have to know these things to our fingertip. We have to know the indication. We have no how can we differentiate these two birth conditions. Then look at the child eyes. When a child is born, we look at the eyes for other conditions. Conditions such as uh, you look at the child for like conditions such as like a uh, like, like, like 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 the child is having Down syndrome. 
How do we know that the child having Down syndrome? The eye, the space between the two eyes can determine whether the child has a Down syndrome or the child has other neural tube defects. And we look at these things, we look at the child quantitative for other things that the rare reflex, um, popularly in the rare reflex are present. If they are present, the child has a, if the rare reflex is absent, the child has an eye defect, has eye defect. These are things we want to look out for the eyes. And they look, look at the ear, the nose, the mouth, while the child has, uh, 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 how, how do you call the condition? While the child has um, cleft lip or cleft palate, what are the cares we give to a child with cleft lip? What are the cares we give to a child with a cleft palate? How do we feel a child with cleft lip? And how do we feel a child with cleft palate? These things are in the recording. These things are in the book. This is just a revision. I'm just trying to take you back to what you've already done. If you did not do it, you want to go back and look at them. They are very important for the English. Then we look at the child, um, the various reflexes. These are important aspects for the English. We want to know these reflexes and know them very well. We want to make sure we know all these and how to how to look for them, how to examine them. That's one. You all know what they are, one. How to examine them. How do we examine the moral reflex? And how, what is the normal moral reflex? And what is an abnormal moral reflex? You have all these reflexes. You have the moral, the palmar, the sucking, the rooting. The, you have the plantar, the tonic neck, the bambiski, the stepping. You have to know how to elicit these reflexes and how to determine when they can uh, when can they appear and when do they disappear. They are important for the English. Very, very important in our English study. So if you did not look at them, you want to go back and look at these things. Any question? On them. Now Vitamin K, the phytonadium the vitamin K is a means of to prevent hemorrhagic disorder for the, uh, for the newborn. There's a reason why it is done, and that reason we all know it. Um, vitamin K is not produced in the, in the intestines or in the GI tract of the newborn until around seven days. Because the GI tract of the newborn is kind of like kind of a clean and it is it, it has not been exposed to any bacteria so for that reason the newborn does not have vitamin k within the body and that's why we administer um we do this particular vitamin k procedure to prevent hemorrhagic disorder until after seven days that's when it can be within there will be bacteria in the colon and bacteria formation in the colon will give rise to uh this Formation of the of, of bacteria that might you that might be able to sensitize uh, vitamin K within the GI tract that might create other preventive measures for bleeding disorder for the newborn. Then um, vitamin K we give 0 0.5 to one. We we'll give 0.5 to one milligram IM in the client's vasolateralis muscles after birth one hour after birth that's when we administer it then we have other things the child is checked for hypoglycemia 
Most often though, when a child is born in the first few hours of life, the child can have hypoglycemic problem. So the newborns who have diabetes, newborn mothers who have diabetes mellitus, um, the child will be either small or large for gestational age. So um, in less than 37 weeks of gestation, uh, or for the two weeks of gestation, they are at risk for hypoglycemia and they should have blood glucose monitor within the first two hours of life. So when a mother has uh, diabetes mellitus, when a child is born in the first two hours of life, our priority becomes to monitor the fluctuation of the mother of the infant blood glucose level. That becomes our that becomes our focus point. Um, sometimes it depends on the facility on, on, on the facility policy. Um, hemorrhage. Sometimes a child can have bleeding disorder after birth, and we need to monitor for bleeding disorder after birth when a child is born. A child might have other cold stress and other things, other problems due to thermoregulational problems the child might face. So these are things I want just want to go over for the mother who is who is trying to like uh, care for the newborn. Um the child can have so many different complications want to understand why a child can cry when a child is born those are important then we we'll look at uh, when it comes to circumcision circumcision is also a big thing in the, on the ankles because the nurse needs to know the procedure how to carry on care after circumcision um the pers the personal care and the mother needs to understand how the care is given at home because she's going to go home eventually. Now, circumcision is not a matter of compulsion in the hospital. It is just a personal choice made by the newborn's family uh, for health, hygiene, other things. Other religion, the Jewish male, on the eighth day after birth, that's when they do their circumcision. So, Take into consideration the tradition, the culture, and the religious aspect of nursing. We cannot force circumcision. The family must agree. They must sign an informed consent to allow their child to be circumcised, the male child. Circumcision should not be done right after birth. Because why? The nurse, uh, the mom asked the nurse, she wants her child to be circumcised right after birth. What's the nurse's best response to the mother? In this case, circumcision cannot occur right after birth. Why? Because after birth, the child does not have vitamin K to prevent bleeding disorders. So the child needs to wait until vitamin K is administered or after seven days when the body can produce its own vitamin K before we can do circumcision because the child might be exposed to bleeding problem. That's the reason why we do not circumcise a child right after birth. Now, um, after circumcision, circumcision has different health benefits which include hygiene and other things. You can look at that. Um, there are other conditions wherein that might come with the child that are contraindicated or with circumcision example is hypospadia in hypospadia or epispadia 
um, the child has abnormal formation of the urethra. So because of that abnormal formation of the urethra, we cannot carry on circumcision right away. So in the case of hypospadia or epispadia, um, the prepuce, that is the foreskin of the penis, the foreskin can, is needed for, 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 for surgical repair of the hypo or epispadia. Hypo occurs under the penis, epi occurs over the penis shaft. So we need the foreskin to get metro, to use the foreskin of the penis to cover up the hypo or the episp epispadia that the child is having during birth as a complication. So in this case, we would definitely need um, enough time to grow the prepuce so that we can do a surgical repair of the defects to the penis. That's the reason, that's one of the reasons why we might delay circumcision for a newborn beyond even eight days. Um, some other could be when the child, when the family has like a hemophilic condition, bleeding disorder, in such a condition, we cannot do circumcision right after birth. Sometimes the newborns who are circumcised and who parents decline vitamin K can be more likely to experience bleeding. So if the mother says, okay, my child cannot take vitamin K, that becomes a problem, then that can also provide some contraindication when it comes to circumcision after birth. These things occur. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that happen <coughs> under here uh, for these, for these uh, babies when it comes to other procedures for them. Um, you want to remove various safety for the, for the babies. If you listen, listen to our our audio will provide for you every every uh, every age group along developmental milestone of the of the child in pediatrics. They have risk condition, risk conditions. They also have what we call um, conflict. They have resolution of those conflicts. They also have um, those risk con risk disease conditions that, that they might face. Like other things that like uh, when a child, like take for example for a for for a toddler, what becomes the nurse the, the mother's concern for a toddler? Toddler would not get in a car to start a car, no. So our concern for toddler would be like drowning, uh, aspiration, uh, ingestion of foreign of of foreign bodies, harmful chemicals ingestion. So those are our concerns for a toddler. So those concerns will not be the same concern for a school-aged child. A school-aged child is hyper. He wants to drive. He wants to know how the mother can start the car. So when the mother put down the car key, you take the car key and jump in the car. So our concern for school-aged children are different from that of toddler and that of other age related or other age group of or other age group so if you listen to the audio they are all in there and we want to understand these things along the way any question any question we have various disease conditions that these disease conditions like the integumentary system of the pediatrics. 
Now, most of the, most of the skin is all I talk about for for neonates. You're gonna see it in the uh, you're gonna see it in the, you're gonna see them in the sanders when it comes to this integumentary system. Now, you want to understand how to identify this skin disorder by appearance. And you want to know them, how can we treat them? So, how does eczema appear? Eczema is the same as atopic dermatitis. How does it appear? How do we define what is the case definition for eczema or atopic dermatitis? If a child has it, what is the intervention? These are all in our ankles. Uh, they are all in our sandals. They are all in there. And we have to go in and look at them and make sure and know them. Because they are in there. We can see them. They are in the book. Now, so if we pass by them, we cannot remember that we have to go back to them and do a rehearsal with them. Most of if we did not do the course with us. Now, so you have impedigos. All these conditions are different. And you want to look at them to know where they appear. Like you have impedigo contigiosa that appears uh, on the skin. It comes around the nose. You want to look at where they are located. The scabies, scabies or scabiasis. What, where do scabies, where, does, uh, uh, where they appear? You want to look at them. That you have different kinds of hair layers, pediculosis. What treatment can we give for a client who has hair leg, capitis, different kinds of hair, different kinds of layers, condition, and their treatment? It is important to know this thing. Where, where on the hair shaft can the hair layers be, be, be located? How do they survive? What treatment can we give to someone who has hair legs? If a child comes to the hospital and the child has hair legs, what could be the precaution we can use to prevent other children from having a hair leg? They are all in our books. And if we look at them well, we'll understand how these things work. You have burns, the rules of nine. You have it for adults and you have it for children and you have it for infants. You want to look at these, these different kinds of uh, rules of nine. How do we administer fluid when a client has a burn? What's the formula for the park length? What's the park length formula? How do we determine fluid calculation for, for, for babies? These are important things we want to know for the baby to understand them very well. And if we look at them, we definitely understand these things. You go to the book, you listen to the audio, and get to the book and read this material from the book. Every condition in pediatrics that we talk about, they are in our book and they are in the audio. Now, what makes it unique is in the audio, there are things that we we'll talk about in the audio that are not within the sanders. So the one that the sender is missing out on, you can listen to them in the audio. Then when you listen to them, you blend them, you have a unique presentation of the pediatrics. For those who test are nearer and did not start the study with us. But if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if the test is in two or three months, we'll cover all these things step by step and we'll still reach to them at some point in time. But if you join us and you are doing a quick impasse with us, meaning you have to uh, precipitate, you have to foster, you have to fasten, you have to like, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh, fast track your study, meaning you have to go listen to the audio and read these conditions within the book. You have the hematological disorders, sickle anemia. You have anaphylaxis anemia. You have pernicious anemia. You have megaloblastic anemia. You have different kinds of anemia with different indications. Thalassemia, beta thalassemia major. You have the von Welborn's disease. These are all blood disorders, like hemophilia. All these conditions. Do you know them? Have you read them? Have you come across them? Do you know how do you care for them? Do you know the signs and symptoms of this condition? What are the nursing management when a client has beta thalassemia? They are various types. What are the ones that come with the minor ones, the traits, the intermediate, the major ones? You have thalassemia major, thalassemia minor, thalassemia trait, thalassemia intermedia. These are all different categories of thalassemia. You won't know what they are. You only want to understand what are the cardinal signs and symptoms of these conditions. And how do we care for these patients with these conditions? They are important. Because in the NCLEX, they will ask us for nursing management for these conditions. If we don't know them, it becomes a problem. So they are in our audio. They are in our book. Listen to the audio for pediatrics and come right to the book and look at these things. When you are moving to the NCLEX, these, these things they consume a lot of time. And we do not take time for granted in the English. Time is important. Time is fast spent. Time waits for no man. So if you want to study and make a pass in the English, you have to give yourself more time to look at them. And more time required put in the skills you need to look at these things. They are important.
is too long. What if you do palpation? Why are you going to feel in there? You'll feel a sausage like mass on a child's abdomen. These are things that you want to look, you want to look for in the case of intussusception. How do we care for them? When a child has hernia, there are different kinds of hernia. Umbilical hernia, heretal hernia, femoral hernia. What are the physical examinations that we do for these babies or these pediatric clients with these conditions? They are all in our book. Incoperesis, uh, constipation. What can we do for the child who has constipation? These are things they are in our book. IBS, irritable bowel syndromes, they are in our book. We have to review them. When a child has imperforate anus, what can we do for the child? How the child will pass through? What are the assessment findings for imperforate anus? These are things we want to look out for the child. The child has like a hepatitis, which has different stages. The etheric phase, the prodromal phase. All the for, for for hepatitis, how do we look at them? How many days they last for? They are in our book. We have to rehearse these things to know them. Lead poisoning is a big thing in the ankle. Lead poisoning is in our book for 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 peats. What is lead poisoning? Why are the causes of lead poisoning? What's the age group we start to do lead screening? These things are in our Sunday's book. We have to look at them. If you are going for the anklets, every free time you have, you have to read a material that will give you an idea that, that, that you did not have previously. They are important to look at these things. They are very, very much important. And you have to look at them. When it comes to the eyes, ear, and throat disorders, otitis media, look at these things. Tonsillitis, adenoiditis, all these things, Maringo tummy. These are things you want to go and look over them for the anklets. They are important things in the pediatric book that you have not looked at them. You have read them, but you still don't remember them. You want to go back to them and listen to them and remember them very, very well. There are a lot of things that you want to listen to on a piece that will give you a great idea of what you want to see in the anklets.